Welcome to the According to Services Podcast. I am your host, Andre Williams. Today, I am joined by Rob. Rob, say hello to the people. What up, what up, what up? Chris, say hello to the people. People, how y'all feeling? And today, Devin is not getting his ass whooped by Olivier. Devin, say hello to the people. Oh, uh, yeah, what's good? The nigga in there crying. <laughs> Baby's baby. Baby's baby. All right. Um, was that today? Because, you know, with the the quarantine, all of the days are starting to, like, mesh, like, meld in together. But was it last night the Bulls hired a brother for a GM position? Yeah, basically, yeah. we hours well, in the night, yeah. It was like 118. Who the hell hires a GM in 118? The Bulls, the Bulls as an organization are just – and they're firing people in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve. They're hiring people <laughs> – like the Bulls are just a weird, weird um, organization. But they did finally get a general manager, and it was a brother. How do we feel about that? Well, I mean, it's about time. Um, yeah, I mean, they joined the twenty first century. The brother is uh, Mark 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 Eversley. That's his name, right? Mark Eversley, yeah, out of Philly. Yeah, from Philly. Yeah, Philly. He um, that's, he got a crazy ass story though. He like like a Nike, uh, like worked at Nike or some shit like that. As a as a, as a retail man. As a retail manager, and then he yeah. just started working for the 76ers as like a like a was it a scout or some some role with the 76ers. But I know he was with the uh, Wizards in Toronto, um, as well. But he was like he worked at Nike for like 10, 10 11 years. Yeah, it was like ten years. Okay, so uh, this is the third. Is this the third person he's hired? Uh, um, the second guy. The I know JJ Polk. Second guy. JJ Polk was the first guy, and Pat Connolly. Uh, Pat Connolly. That was the second guy. Pat and now, yeah. Now we have um, we got this. We got this brother. Um, what do you guys? What think? I hear about. Go ahead. Go ahead. He's, Go ahead. Of, he's some type of scout girl. Apparently, he's. Um, Found a lot of players. Uh, Matisse, I believe. You know, remember that name? I think he's up in Toronto now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody. Go ahead. No. I was... well, from what I've heard about the dude, it's like, I know that on one of his stops, he was like part of like uh, like player relationships because of his time with Nike, you know. So they had him – Basically, like I, I think, what with the Bulls hiring him is going—he's going to be the anti-Gar Foreman, you know, where where it's Gar Foreman, nobody liked him, nobody believed him, you nobody trusted him, nobody trusted him. I think you go and get this this dude, you bring him over, and the facelift is complete. You know what I'm saying? Ah, you gotta work on the chin. I mean, you know, you, you gotta, gotta work get, on the chin. You gonna get that dude's out of here. You hey, know. I'm just saying until until they work on the chin, the chin is still there. That that dude is out of here. I hope so. <laughs> I just at this point in my life, I'm not gonna man say that, thing, that the Bulls are gonna do anything until the Bulls actually do it. I, I understand that, but that that boy on the first thing smoking as soon as they as soon I, as they, I, they say so. we open for business. Maybe he'll he'll finish out this season if they even allow them to play this season. Which I, you know we talked about this last time. I really don't see a reason why they would do that outside of the money factor. But I think it opens themselves up for all kinds of very very bad things to happen 
um, if they try to push this, you know, we need to finish the season. If they try to push that. Um, and, and here's the thing about that, because if you do decide to just like keep them around, like you, you open yourself up to negative negativity either way it go. Yeah. I mean, you so can't like keep, you might, as, you might as well just let them go and, and, start all the way over, you know, forget, like there could be a whole lot of loyalty involved in this when it, when it comes to this guy. Like I know that's been Reinsdorf's thing, but I Reinsdorf mean, didn't even, I mean, he's not a Reinsdorf dude. This is Gar's dude. I yeah. get that. But I mean, you know, just based on, on history, either way, when you, you know, somebody gets, somebody comes in and even if you're not necessarily his guy, you know, he'll still keep you around just because that's the kind of guy he is. What'd they get Fred Hoiberg? Three years? Barely. Got his ass fuck up out of him. That nigga's gone, bro. It's over for him. And, <laughs> like, this is what you need. I mean, even beyond, you know, the coaching aspect of things, you know, we're talking about, you know, the front office facelift. That's been complete. Like, we've we've gotten rid of the poison. The whale was poisoned for years with the Chicago Bulls. Now you have, first of all, like, just having a black dude up in there. The that's first, the first black thing. general manager at, at that. Yeah, like that, like that in and of itself is um is, is is big, it's huge. Because now you have a guy that can go and talk to these players on a level that already can't. Yeah, that they can that they can, that they can they can jive. They can I hope so. I mean, I don't know anything about his background. Yeah. He's apparently a Canadian. And I don't know yeah, he's Canadian. how much, and like we always talk about that, being able to get into the room and talk to some of these players and and jive with them, and you know, t- and like you just said, mentioned talk, you know, the way they talk. You know, I don't, you know. Apparently, that Canadian. was his job with Nike. It was talent, talent acquisition, and the reason why he got into the NBA is because of the relationships that he'd fostered with players through his, you know, through his job with Nike. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember a couple podcasts ago, well, a couple of cross, a couple months ago, when we were talking about the Bulls and everything. And the only reason why we wouldn't get top tier free agents because of what? It was Gar and Pax. It wasn't because of the cold, because you got superstars like KD and Kyrie going to play in Brooklyn, which is in New York, when it's freezing cold, six up eight months out of the year over there. Yeah, I mean, I, so, don't, I don't think they're cold. I honestly think the reason why we didn't get most people was because of the front office. I think anybody can, anybody can attest to that. And it's gone back a lot further than, you know, Carmelo. It goes a lot further back than that. Um, the D Wade didn't come initially in 2000 and whatever, uh, 2010, 2011 or whatever. He didn't come. Um, I know T-Mac, one of the big reasons, I mean, even though this was before Gar's, uh, Gar and Pax's time, but this is a long line of, you know, the exact same thing happening uh, over and over and over again. So, if you know, if you have to go in the complete opposite direction to get yourself out of that, you know, out of that mode of people not believing your front office in, I think this was the right way to go. And having a black face out in front, even if he is Canadian. <laughs> it's a it's, <laughs> it's a good look in and of itself, you know. At least from the player the player side of it, at the yeah. very least, yeah. You know, we'll see how it plays in this city because we know how this city is when it comes to stuff. Oh uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see how that plays and you know how he handles himself 
will will, will mean the most. But as far as with the players, yeah, like I, especially you know just reading his story, man, it, it's an amazing story. Just like you said, being a you know a guy from Nike that just kind of you know just was handed the reins to certain parts of the company and just like was hired on in places like, all right, well, you know what, you, you figured this thing out. So, you know, come work for the NBA. It's, I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> How so, does that happen? Like that, that, it's an amazing story. Like you said, it rarely ever happens like that. So um, maybe, you know, just being around Nike and being around, you know, player development and seeing some of these young guys has, you know, given him something to hang his hat on as far as bringing other young players in. And we'll see, we'll see what it, what it does. I, I got a question for you too. If it works out because I'm tired of I'm, I was so tired of Gar and I don't we don't need another <laughs> you know another redo of that. What's up? So we obviously we know Carlos Overs is calling the shots as the EVP operations, right? Yeah. So now Mark Eversley comes on as the GM, and Polk is a pe- um, apparently like the cap strategic guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that we knew that teams are supposed to have. <laughs> um. What exactly do you think Eversley's job is going to be knowing that he's not calling the shots? I think in some respects he is calling the shots. Um, but like any, yeah, but like any other, uh, you know, organization, he has to report to a boss. Then, you know, he comes to his boss with ideas and, you know, this is what I think we should do. And it's the yay or nay. And then if it's the yay, you know, then his boss has to go to his boss because that dude is the one that's cutting the checks. Because that, like, if you go up that chain of command, literally none of them are calling the shots except for Reinsdorf, because he's the one who's cutting the checks and paying the money. Yeah, the CEO. Yeah, so I think you know, at the end of the day, ever like it's going to be his show, because they gave Gar, they gave Gar a lot of goddamn rope, a lot of rope. Um, so we'll see, but I think it'll be a collaborative effort between all parties involved, uh, the way that it should have been. From the beginning, instead of two guys making the decisions for an entire organization, it's kind of sad. It's taking this one. No, no, it's twenty twenty man. It's, it, there's so many careers that have been wasted over the past twenty years. We're talking about Hall of Fame level players, man. Joaquin Rose, all these dudes. Yeah, all the they had, they had their shot. It just didn't work out. But let's talk about happier times. Last <laughs> night we got uh, we got episodes three. And four of the last dance, and I know, I know y'all watched. I know y'all watched. I, th- I, I start, start here. What I've appreciated with these first four episodes is, or I mean, for, technically, it's been three episodes. So I, I know they're cutting them up and doing that shit, but three episodes is that they started from the top: Michael, Scotty, Dennis. Like all three of them have gotten their own episode to get, you know, to, to tell their story from, you know, greatness in the NBA growing up as, you know, children, how they came into basketball. And I think that's like, I thought that was dope. That's, the, I, best part. that's the best part to me. Go ahead. It's the best part because it shows you who they are before the basketball and sports even came to the picture. I mean, they all came from, Various backgrounds, when you think about it. Like, you got Rodman, who was a troublemaker. You got Jordan, that didn't make a high school team. What a middle school team was it? Then 
you know, you got the story of Scotty. Pippen. I mean, same thing with Scotty. I mean, same exact thing. A dude that was, you know, he was good at basketball, but you know, too small, too small until he grew five inches in the summer. Now he's six seven. Five inches in the summer, bro. <laughs> like how? What is your? What has been your favorite part of of, of this so far, Rob? My favorite part, I mean, I mean, those of you that that know me enough, that's been listening to this podcast for years now, know that I'm a I'm a film nerd. So, just watching and and here in Chicago, the director of the of the uh, the whole series gets on with Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Radio every Monday after they uh, after Sundays when they uh, show it, and he talks about the episode with the uh, Waddle and Sylvie. And last week he got on and he talked about all those uh, musical montages that people were going nuts about. He personally himself edits those because I was going nuts over it. I mean, people were going nuts over the music selections, which obviously were, were, were dope considering they, they went back to the time period and got dope music, LL, and, you know, music like that. But just the way it was cut and the way, like, the slams would come on a certain beat of the song, like, it was it was obviously somebody took their time with it. So, like, that part, I mean, all the other stuff is obviously going to be good. You know, the stories and stuff with Dennis Rodman and Mike, you know, I ain't going to say we knew all of this stuff because we obviously didn't, but a lot of it we did know. Did know. The, yeah. the best part of it is seeing some of the footage we've never seen, the stuff with them on the plane, stuff like that. But for me personally, the montages with the music has been some of the best stuff of it all, uh, along with just seeing that footage, man. Some of that stuff with just them, just even the clothing from back then and stuff like that. You know, some of that stuff we've never seen has been amazing. You know, Bill Winnington talked about having, I know we saw a quick clip in the in Sunday's episode with, Bill Winnington with his old, you know, high eight camera in his hand. He yeah. talked about having a bunch of that. Stuff. He still has it. And somebody said, "Bill, you need to release the real uh, yeah. documentary that you got on your camera because you know you got some good stuff. He's the stuff that we didn't see, <coughs> hip like the uh, demeaning uh, Jerry on the bus. That's stuff I want to see. Sort of sounds like you, you like basement the content." but more the way it was presented to us, right? But that, that's kind of what, that, that's been my, my, my favorite thing is how like, it, it always starts off with like a high, like the yeah. height of something. And then it was like 1978, 1970. I get that being tough for some people though. If you're used to a, a, a more linear storytelling. Take your you know, basic ass home then. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Mean, yeah. Nah, I mean, I get it though, Dre. I get it because most people are are more used to a more linear storytelling, not non-linear. Like it's 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 rough. It's like all right, we're bouncing all over the place. Yeah, Wait a minute, what's going on now? I get it. It's, it's I, I'm, I'm with you though. I enjoy it. Like it don't bother me. I, I think it's dope. Like I love when they go back. Like they show that they'll show a high, like the highest of the high, and it was like, okay, this is how this is where we are now. How the hell do we get there? This is yeah, how we this got this, there. Exp this explains it. Yeah, that's it's dope. It's it's dope storytelling, but I can understand how other people can be. It can be kind of hard to see it. It's like, all right, I was I was with you on this. I was enjoying that part, and you kind of pulled the rug out of me. And now we're jumping back to 1998. It's like yeah, it's, I, I was yeah. I was enjoying 1993, and now you yeah, but, yeah like but that's the best thing about it because you know 1993. You don't know 1978. 
you don't know why you should enjoy this as well because it's dope like i like i knew about scotty's family you know what i'm saying but i didn't know i didn't know about the two you know the two people that was paralyzed in the crib i knew his father was i didn't know about his brother i didn't and then like when you look at stuff like that like because you know those episodes like we do like i said we do this all the time with scotty and you know the money that he made but you know when you look at the past if you have any kind of empathy or or nuance in your in your thought process then it makes you understand why he made the decision that he made you know what i'm saying and he did want that type of security and then on top of that like there was a lot of shit being said about scotty right like we could talk about let's talk about that for a second Uh it's a lot of stuff being said about Scotty. boy watch out but but it's not just about scotty it was a lot of stuff being said about that contract when everybody in the nba had that contract all of them if you go back and look, two years before Scotty signed his contract, Mike signed essentially the exact same contract. That's why Michael Jordan didn't become a free agent until 1997. It was a seven-year contract. You know what I'm saying? Right. He didn't become a free agent until 1997 because he took off that year. It would have been 1996, but it wasn't. So the exact same thing that Scotty did, that Mike did, Scotty did the problem wasn't what he did. It was the timing of when he did it. It's like, yeah, okay, the NBA blew up in the middle of his contract and he outperformed the shit out of it. That's, I mean, this is unfortunate timing, but everybody was making $2 million a year in the NBA back then. He just got a bad break, but the way that the NBA uh, blew up, the way revenue sharing changed, the way the NBA was getting money from, I think uh, 1991 was, MB- was NBC. NBC gave them all that money because uh, before that, I think the NBA was on like CBS or something like that. And then NBC uh, took it and they gave the NBA a whole bunch of goddamn money and it changed the way that the, that the players were getting paid. It's bad timing, but it wasn't no different than what anybody else was doing. And the problem lies in the, in the organization is basically what it boils down to. It boils down to the organization for the better part of it's, it's seemingly 30 years not knowing how to just handle things properly. There's a way that business should be handled. There's a, there's a way you talk to your players. There's a way you talk about your coach. There's a way you handle things behind closed doors and go, all right, listen, this is the way we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take care of you. We're going to take care of you. I Krause, get it. Krause you are like who you are. <laughs> that was his problem. Huh? And that was all Krause. And that was his Yeah, it's, it's like, all right, we get it. You know, we, we, know, what you, we know your value. And Krause, that's his, that was his problem, like you said. It was all about, oh, well, I can, I can find another Scotty. I found you. I can find another one. It's like, no, no. He's one of the greatest. You know, it's funny that you guys say that. It's funny that you guys say that because as far as crossing the way he publicly berated Phil Jackson and his players in the media, it's the same way that the uh, guard packs did D. Rose when he was sitting out because he wasn't ready to play yet. Well, but in, in principle, who in do you principle, think this all up? comes back. No, wait a minute. In principle, this all comes back to one thing, and there's one person that we're forgetting to blame, Jerry Reinsdorf. He is allowing He's the main people one. to do this. Yeah, he's the this main is, one. These this motherfuckers the all one. do this shit, but he's the one who allows them to do it. He's not the one, who, he, as an owner, you know, you see other owners in sports step in and say, like, all right, motherfuckers, slow down. Like, we have to be able to keep this in-house. If you want to say something like that, say that to them in turn. But he's old as fuck, though. That's why. He wasn't, he wasn't old back then. 
Yeah, that's not even it. He was in the documentary. Shit, he he looked fine to me. He can count that money. Shit, he can't be that old. That's not it, Chris. Because at one point he decided he he picked and chose when he would step in. He stepped in in '98. Yeah. He's like, all right, no, yeah, we say no, we gonna we gonna nix that because we got Mike, so we gonna go for number six. So there was other times when he could have stepped in. He just didn't. Whatever. I think think some of it is that he just didn't want to step on Jerry's toes. You the but you the owner. Yeah, but that's but, he, but that's his job, and he and that and he gives his guys sit back and he, watch and watch watch the general manager. He gives those guys team. full autonomy. I get that their job, and he didn't like something like you said when he's like, okay, yeah, ninety eight. No, we're not about no, not now. No, we're not Listen, doing this now. I get what you're saying, Dre. You give your guys full autonomy, but at the same time, you got to sit back and realize that something isn't being done right, and you put your foot down on certain stuff. Yeah, that's what he did. They go and check. Sit back no, and watch the fire think, burn, burn brighter, and go, okay, well, I'm letting my guys do their thing. We're discounting one point. Maybe he believed the same thing that Jerry did. Yeah, that's probably, he thought that's it was over. That's it's like okay, we're going to do this for this one last year, and then I think it's, then I think it's time for us to do this. Like I think we we're, we're like the thing is that like Jerry Krause was the villain, and I don't think either one of them were villains. I honestly don't think Jerry Krause was a villain at all because I, I mean I, I I want you to show me and and I, for years I was like fuck Jerry Krause, but I want you to show me one person that does their job as well as he does and gets no fucking credit for it, and they're gonna be okay with it. I don't care what the fuck you're doing. Nobody's gonna be okay with that. So I understand his ego, even if I thought he was an egomaniac. I understand it. He was no different than Phil Jackson, no different than Michael Jordan, no different than Scottie Pippen. The only difference was he did not play the game, but he did his job as well as anybody had been doing the job at that time, and he got no credit for it. And it turned out, and it turned a little short fat dude that thought he should have got <laughs> some credit into an egomaniac because he got none. I understand. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I, I can't. It. I can't. I can't rock with that. I can't. I, hear I don't know how. Mean. Because if you if you do your job and your job tells you you're not like they give you no credit for anything, it's gonna because because you're because you because you're because you're creating most of the tension yourself by being jealous yeah, but, about not getting the but, the credit. But the, but the, like, like somebody got so the it's like being, because he doesn't get the credit. It don't matter. You're doing your job. It's just like being a father. It's like I don't like But he's so, not a father. That's a job. This is my responsibility. But, That's a job. But, but wasn't nobody I can't get fired you, from this? But wasn't nobody saying you were doing a bad job though. But if, no if someone was going we're winning in spite of you and not but because they weren't winning in spite of him before. 91 through 93 was not in spite of Jerry Krause. Maybe 96 through 97 and 98 was. But 91 through 93 was not in spite of Jerry Krause. And in some, uh, in some odd ways, it was because of him. So if I'm doing all of these great things and everybody is telling me it's all because of these guys, I understand why he would feel the way. That's a human reaction. Like, what the fuck, man? I'm doing something, too. No, he's not. Though. He's not scoring the points. It's not about. It's not about scoring the points. That dude was was jealous of the money and stuff that was being thrown around that he wasn't getting. I don't know. I don't know about. I don't know what his money and what his deal. He wasn't getting the same money that Phil was getting. I I don't know because he was still doing. He he still had his hand in in the White Sox shit too. I don't know about the money, but I think he wanted the credit. I don't even know if it was about money for Kraus. He wanted some credit, and I don't begrudge him for wanting credit. I begrudge him for going about trying to get the credit the way that he did. Not for wanting it. 
because everybody should want credit for the job that they do if they do a job well. It's how he went about doing it that was the problem. That's fine. And, I mean, I think we're talking about the same thing then. And, but, and, and it's not just him, though, because it wasn't like, I think people, like, it's this thing where it's just like, Phil has, like, skipped through this shit unscathed for many, many years, where essentially the, re- the main reason why Jerry Krause wanted to get rid of Phil Jackson is because Phil Jackson basically told him, hey, I want your job. And if somebody in your company came and tell, told you, I want to take your job, I'm going to have some, there's going to be some contentious shit between me and that person too. Phil was an asshole. And then, like, the, and um, Sam Smith, was it Sam Smith that uh, came out and say, he, he's talking about the Jordan Rules, that book. Yeah. You no, know, ended up getting, uh, uh, Johnny Bach ended up getting fired because uh, Phil had everybody thinking that it was Bach that was giving Sam Smith all of the information when in, ret- in actuality it was Phil. Phil was, give- was feeding him all this goddamn information. So it's like, you know, Cross was an asshole. He was fucked up monumentally. But Phil was a big asshole too. <laughs> like huge asshole. And he had his hand in it too. He had his hand, but nobody, but it was easy because Jerry Krause was the villain and, you know, Mike and Scotty, they had their whole thing. It was easy to dump in on him, you know, because everybody was uh, galvanized against Jerry Krause. But Phil was a fucking asshole, too, and he deserved some of that blame because he could have, as much as anybody else could have, you talk about Reinsdorf, like, Krause brought him in twice. Apparently their relationship was pretty good at one point. How the fuck did it get this bad? And how did it get to the point where they couldn't repair it? I don't think it was just because of Jerry Krause. That's just my my thinking. I mean, when you when you look back on it, it's not this ain't this ain't to say that it was all him. It was but everybody. It was shit, everybody. It was well, everybody. But that's not how we the, when you go back and look at that stuff, that's not how history will, you know, will show it. And I think that's kind of the reason why it got there for Kraus, because history will show that Kraus was the problem, but it, history will never show that he did his job well and they won because of him too. So that's kind of like that's the that that's the problem, like that's where the the, the issues arise for a, a human being that believes that he's doing a good job. Well, yeah, I mean, he did thing, he did pull the trigger on Robin with with Krauss being as outspoken as he was when his time on earth was you know he when he was still here if all of those issues were the case why why wouldn't he ever say that why wouldn't he ever come out cuz he he sure the hell didn't mind coming out and saying whatever the hell he wanted to say about his players yeah, his I coach think, I, I just think you know is this a human thing it's like like to come out and say hey man i want some credit that just looks funny. No, 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 not even that. Not even that. Not, not asking about credit, but saying, hey, this thing ain't just about me wanting to fire Phil. This thing is about, you know, Phil was coming at my head for my he life. Did he, he, he did it the same, he did it the same way. He did it the same way all of them did. The same way all of them did. Through the same goddamn person, Sam Smith. They all got their dirty laundry aired out through the same goddamn people. It was Lacey Banks. It was Sam Smith. It was Rick Tellender. They were all doing the same shit. All of them. Getting the information out the same goddamn way through the same goddamn people. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, was, was, was he a part of it too? Uh, I know who you're talking about because I hate him. I used to hate <sighs> Jay, uh, Jay Moriarty? What's yeah, Ma- yeah, Mariotti. Yeah, Mariotti, whatever the fuck yeah. his name is. Yeah. The one that's in uh, obscurity right now? The one that's in obscurity because he's racist. <laughs> he ain't working for nobody now. <laughs> but yeah, they he all did the there. same thing. They were all they were all egomaniacs, and they all deserve to be egomaniacs too, because they were all all world at their jobs. 
So, you know. The bottom, the bottom line, like I said, is, is it's just been, it's been 35 to 40 years of the same shit. The same shit. Well, even that, that, that's the, the who's at the top. Huh? Then who's at the top? But that's what I was saying, though. <laughs> it, that's, what Dev, that's what Dev had brought up. It being Jerry Reinsdorf. Being Jerry Reinsdorf and just knowing when to step in and knowing when to go, okay, listen, guys, enough is enough with this shit. Enough. Stop he has this. to care about it enough for him to do that, though. Yeah, you're the right. owner, though. Like, I mean, I guess if your pockets are being lined, yeah, I mean, he's making money. What's the difference? <laughs> like, okay, you guys are over there fussing and fighting. I'm trying to get the shit. White I'm Sox the World getting, Series. I'm still exactly. getting thousand in the, in the seats every night. Like, all I wanted you guys to do is make me enough money so that I could make I could get the White Sox a World Series, please. That he, please. I think he's he's more of a baseball guy anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a yeah. white dude, so. So it's like, all right, whatever. I'm getting twenty three thousand a night over there off my six championships. The people are still filling that that place until this past season when fans finally decided, all right, enough is enough. And that's when they finally took action. And then they took action. Well, I don't even think that would have done anything. We've talked about this before. If it wasn't for we talked about the last podcast. If it wasn't for the All Star Game, the same things would be going on. Nobody That's really what it boiled down to, because when you, even with the the numbers being down, they were only slightly down. I mean, yeah. I, I went it to one bad. of those games, and I know it was, it was like a, a you know a, a basically a giveaway night, but and you know that those pitchers that would always come out and say the stands are empty or whatever, it's like yeah they're empty right now, but like by by halftime it was a decent amount of people in there. The numbers were down. But they weren't as drastic yeah, as, as everybody looked. tried to make it seem. Because it looked bad. Because you were still the beginning. You show the beginning of the game in a blizzard and be like, nobody's at the Bulls game. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, well, <laughs> just give it a minute. The game started at 7. People are getting off work at 5. five. They're taking yeah. their family. They got to get home. I know for me, we were late because I had to get home, get the family, and then get down and there. And then you got to find parking. And it, it took a while before we, we got in and we got there late. So yeah. people stopped, stopped going. But not, not to the by that drastic much. numbers that people were trying to make it seem like. I think, like you said, Dre, it was mostly about the bad press they got. I mean, that all-star break was ugly. Yeah. It was, it was ugly. terrible. It was ugly. And, and like, I think they figure, all right, we got we, – we can't – I can't take – I mean, my ego, for one, can't, can't take any more of this. And at this point, it's been bunch of ego maniacs. Everybody, everybody involved with the Bulls is a bona fide egomaniac. And I'm hoping that these guys come in and they have some, you know, sense of uh, humility and they're a little bit more humble than the people that we've had here before. The worst part of the All-Star game was, I don't know if y'all remember, I was downtown and out of nowhere, it just starts snowing. And then it was really, really light. Yeah. And then, and then boom. That first Friday, that first yep, Friday. That's the, that was when I got there. It was terrible. That, that first Friday, it came down, and I was like, oh, my God. It's snowing on the first day. it's freezing. <laughs> We're going to show all these people coming in. This is what it is. Oh, my God. Better have I'm like, bro, we couldn't get 35 and cloudy. I take 35 and cloudy. I, I mean, but they've had the All-Star game in Denver during a blizzard. So that shit didn't – you know – but it's yeah, been probably had some type different of when you when you need you feel like you need to make sure that the whole thing needs to be that goes into you know creative planning and like risk management and shit. I, I, I know that they didn't just say like okay if it's snow, fuck it. We ain't got a plan. You know I mean, what I'm all things being considered, I think they put on a hell of a guy. I mean, it was one of the better 
all-star weekends. And it, I'm it, I mean, that in a while. everybody wrote like in the past decade, that was one of the best all-star all-star weekends they've ever seen. Yeah, it was that good. one great in one in Toronto. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I did want to talk about one other thing before we before we got out of here. And it was uh it's Dennis Rodman. Now I saw on Twitter today that Bill Simmons asked a question. Oh my god. <laughs> why did there we go. why did we ever find Dennis Rodman interesting? What the fuck is wrong with Bills? I mean, you do you what did he say? What did he say? He asked when why did we ever find Dennis Rodman interesting? And I he's such an obtuse person just posed the question. Why did we ever find Bill Simmons interesting? He has turned into uh, he it's funny because when he first started the sports guy, that that column it was like on ESPN two. Yeah. back page or whatever, he would make fun of people that are exactly the way that he is right now. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, said that Dennis Rodman was the smartest basketball player or one of that he ever played basketball with. That shot of Dennis Rodman talking about rebounding. He's like, I just study rebounding. You know, when the ball will come off of here, like Michael likes to spin the ball. But magically, when he shoot, it will spin and come off the rim right here. And Michael rebound, when he misses a shot, it's going to be right here. And this guy's here. Like, who does that, bro? And then, Dre, and real quick, just again, going back to my film nerd, nerdiness, just watching that whole that cut, that whole montage, you could tell the way they cut it. Yeah. He had been talking about that for at least for 15, minute. 20 minutes. Yeah, for a minute, because there was a whole <laughs> bunch of different shit. They had to cut out players that nobody even wanted yeah, to Nobody down. cared about them. Yeah, he definitely. All right, okay, we get it. You are a Richmond. Richmond. (laughs) And then, not to mention, Dre, to to go along with what you said, David Aldridge is a Hall of Fame sports writer. He doesn't just cover basketball, he covers a lot of sports. He said the words were out of his mouth Dennis Rodman is the best on ball defender I have ever seen in my entire career. He said, in my entire career covering the NBA, he's the best on ball defender. Now, I don't know what Bill Simmons, what his awards are, but I know David Aldridge is a motherfucking Hall of Fame. Like, I, I'm trying to figure why wouldn't we find Dennis Rodman interesting? Yeah, that makes no sense. That's just being, that's just being goofy. Like, what do you mean, inter- like, interesting? What do you mean? He's, he's one of the most interesting people on the planet. Yeah, Listen, definitely. Bill Simmons is a Boston opioid. Here we go. I said to myself, I wasn't going to go in like this tonight. I was going to try to be a man of God. However... He is who he is, and he's he's from where he's from. These people, you know, they they don't know who they are, okay? They don't know who they are, but they know who they would love to be. And it's always somebody else from another state or city who is better than them at everything else that they could possibly be. You think Bill Simmons ever made a left-handed layup? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> Do you think Bill Simmons made his JV high school basketball team? He's Probably an idiot. Not. Jackie McMullen could probably give him buckets right now. Okay, <laughs> you're probably right. But I, to, back to Dennis because I want to I want to switch over to another hater before we get up out of here. Um, I think yes, Dennis sir, is immensely interesting. I think he's as interesting as anybody I've ever seen. Um, 
he's weird as shit, like Rick Mahorn said. He's like, he could have done all of this without the the the, the dresses and, and the lipstick. It's like, but he's he's very interesting. And watching him talk about rebounding the way that he did showed me that not only was he physically gifted, it took a student of the game to go about figuring rebound. Like that, like he was a, a genius yeah. at trigonometry. Yeah, he had this shit down to a science. There, there was there was an actual science to it. To the that way that he, he did it. it and nobody else has that science. Nobody, like, there's other people who can get rebounds, right? Like, Ben Wallace could get rebounds. But Ben got rebounds because he had arms that came down to his fucking legs. And he had shoulders the size of skyscrapers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's It's literally the city of broad shoulders. He was the city. <laughs> you know, all these other guys were so much more physically gifted than a dude like Dennis Rodman was. Dennis came in as a skinny dude, put on, you know, muscle, but still wasn't as big as the people he was going against every night. And he was out-rebounding the not fuck out of him. Outwork that dude, though. You're not going to outwork him, and you're not going to out-know him. I know when this dude misses a shot. This is how he misses shots. Like, he doesn't miss shots, and they go to the left. Every time he misses a shot, it's going to bounce right. So I'm going to position myself to be here when the ball comes off the rim. That is genius. And anybody who thinks that a genius isn't interesting is stupid to me. Um, we're going to move on to another hater because I think we got like five minutes left before we get we got to get up out of here. But um, another hater. What the hell is wrong with Vince Goodwin? That mumble, nearly mouth mumble. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Another one. Another is one, is another one from the city where they want to be everything else that everybody else is. I mean, honestly, Vince acts like Real quick. Real quick, before Dev go in, uh, Andre, let the people out there know who don't know who, who you're talking about. Let them know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because he is a nobody. Vince Goodwill is from Detroit, but he, he came over as a sideline reporter uh, for CSN Chicago a uh, few, maybe like five, six, no, like 10 years ago, 10 years ago? Was it 10? No, nah, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that okay, long. Okay, maybe he like seven years ago? Years, yeah. So like seven years ago, like seven years ago. And he got a yeah. job with Yahoo now. Yeah, he got a job with Yahoo. Um, but every every time he gets the opportunity to talk down about the Chicago Bulls and, you know, Detroit beating us, uh, he he does it. Anytime he gets the opportunity to do it, he does it. But he, he covered the Bulls, so I, I don't understand what's the point. You're right, Chris. He okay. did work for the Bulls. And it's ridiculous that anytime he gets the opportunity to – I mean, I, you know, I won't even go that far. I know he's from Detroit. I know they don't really have anything good to have ever happened to that city. I get it. So, Little Caesar, you know, my point remains: <laughs> <laughs> nothing good has ever come from that place. So you got to hold on to the little wins that you may, you know, attain during the time. So if you know winning against the Bulls is that Detroit's claim to fame, by all means, you know, let them have it. But man, he was going. He was on the roll last night, wasn't he? Man, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait for those episodes to come. He oh my wait. God, he was on there crying. I thought his, <laughs> he couldn't his, wait. His Twitter account was start going to start leaking. He was crying <laughs> so damn much. <laughs> Christ, he wouldn't stop. It was like not like man. We get it. They won, great, but don't nobody want to watch a fucking ten hour documentary about the bad boy Pistons except for you and Jamel Hill. You are the only two. <laughs> like, and if y'all love them that much, go and talk about them. But this is about the Bulls. This is not about the Detroit Pistons. And it's so much revisionist history. And I said, I love Zeke, you know, 
you know, Chicago boy. I, I hated him. You know, he played for Detroit, but, you know, I love him. I love Zeke. But there's so much revisionist history behind them walking off the court. That, anyway, I agree with Horace Grant. Straight up bitches. <laughs> and it's just so no funny to watch all of them do this about fake. Well, not all of them, because Bill and Beer. He's a dick He's a dickhead. Sticking to his guns. And I just that's, 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 and that's who he is. Like, he ain't ever going to change. And you just would listen to him on, like, I think it was the jump with Rachel Nichols earlier earlier today. And he was just saying, he was just like, he's like, no, nah, I don't regret any of it. Because those guys, he said for a year, for a year, all he did was complain about us being bad guys. And like, not even about were. on the floor. They were. Like he was okay. saying, but he was saying, they weren't even saying about on the court, like bad for basketball and all that stuff. Like we were bad guys. Like, well, I mean, Bill, I mean. You, Y'all dirty you, as hell. You kind of were, bro. Like, like I don't, like, like I don't know do what kind of like, father you are. Like, uh, for all I know, everything <laughs> I see, you're a dirty, bad dude. Like, you want me to say that the only place you beat Naz is on the basketball court? Like, you just punch a dude on the basketball court, and that's just the only place where this is happening. And the worst part about all this shit with Vincent Goodwill is the fact that he went on Twitter defending the Pistons, talking about they weren't dirty, when it was obviously the was to hurt Jordan. Everybody in the league, you know, understood what the what the Pistons were about. And that's not to say, like, there, yeah. there was a definite – there was some beauty – to that type of basketball. I, I won't say that there wasn't, but, you know, the way that he's going, or the way that he went on and on and on and on and on, he's just he, been, he was just extra. He wrote an article. He released it today. It said the words that caused the walk-off. So yeah. Michael Jordan, some some words that Michael Jordan said to Isaiah that caused him to walk off. That's what it was. He said okay, so, so basically what you're admitting is that these bad boys, these bad boys in the NBA were so hurt by a player's <laughs> words that they walked off the court without shaking their hand. Damn, some bad boys they are. <laughs> yeah, so they, they, were so, they were so devastated and emotionally distraught that they just they, – they couldn't handle the moment, and they walked off. Shut you your what, ass up. You say what the words were? Was it? It was just about. Them being I, mean, bad. I don't give yeah, a that, damn. That was it. That, those are the words. Um, unless he said, bad. Unless he said, I'm gonna smash was, your mama. It was a better part of a year that they was that they were saying that. He's like, all right, well, you know what? They won. You know, we got older. They beat us. You know, whatever. I'm not gonna stand here and shake these dudes' hands after they no, talked that's about it for a year. That's, that's bullshit, bullshit though. You know, but the, the, that's bullshit. The we got older thing. Because I guarantee you, Larry didn't say that. And there was something that um that uh that Vince said. He said something that really that, that kind of pissed me off. Something about the Pistons and kind of defending them. And to me, it's kind of weird to defend them because these are the same dudes that said Larry Bird would have just been another black dude. You know what I'm saying? So like, let's not act like they were some. Uh, holier than thou entity. These are a group of assholes, and they, they, they I mean, you don't get the moniker of bad boys for no damn reason. Like, I mean, let's let's be real. And they bought into it. Yeah, they did. They're trash, trash. And the fact that he was on Twitter defending it when it was obviously it wasn't basketball; it was dirty play, and calling a clean defense on Jordan is asinine. Fuck this is the same guy. This is the same guy who said that. He said that. The first championship that the Bulls won was illegitimate because he said that the Pistons were at the end of their prime. And then he said that the uh, they beat an old 
James Worthy and old Magic Johnson Lakers team. This is the same team that took them to seven the year before. Like, <laughs> come on, dog. Come, come. What are you talking about? If they were so out of their prime, why did they make the Eastern Conference Finals in? So, hey, Dev, you can't take words from a nigga that stored walnuts in his cheek for the winter. So. Come on, fam. Come on, man. Come on, dog. Like, he's a very he, interesting character. He's a hypocrite. This nigga's a squirrel. He's a, he's a hypocrite on so many levels. Even when he covered the Bulls, you could tell just the way he covered them that everything was like, uh, it was vindictive. It was. Like, he pointed out more of the negatives than he did the positives. And he <laughs> always, when he would always talk about like the NBA, he loved talking about the Central Division. And showing how the Bulls stacked up to everybody. Oh, now, ironically, he would always talk about how the Pistons organization was structuring things. Motherfucker, you don't cover the Pistons. You cover the Chicago Bulls. He's a trash reporter. It is interesting that you didn't like if you wanted if you love the Pistons that much. Why did you go get a job for CSN in Detroit? Because don't nobody want to cover that bum ass team or that fuck. I even know they had a CSN in Detroit. I mean, it's a CSN. <laughs> no, it's only CS in Chicago, Bay Area. Well, whatever it is, like, like whatever. I had it in Detroit when it probably went out of business. Yeah, it's they like an affiliate. Fox. Yeah, they got an affiliate, so it's probably it, it might be Fox or so whatever it is. You got a job there, but you can't. Oh, get a job. Nasty ass Fox. And so this is what he said. He was like, um, "Bull still whining about the Pistons walking off. The Pistons not tripping on the Celtics walking off." I'm like, well, but these are the same dudes that said Larry Bird would just be another black dude if he was black and not white. Like, so they were clearly tripping off of something because when they oh whooped, with, when he was whooping their ass, they was talking all kinds of shit about him. Like, first of all, not that one has to do that's, that's, and that's bullshit. That, Dre, that's bullshit because it's a cop out. He's saying that when Lim Beer is on TV, every time they interview him, he still says he until something this day, about the, to the day, something he'll about never, he'll, he says he never, he'll never you know, vibe with the Celtics. He won't hang out with them or be friends with them if he sees them in person. He said they didn't shake their hands. So they still talk about it till this day. See, but it's like, a difference. It's different. It's not whining about it when they're literally being asked about it. They, look, they're, it's they're, different, what, though. What, what, what are they supposed to say when they're interviewing Horace Grant, Mike, and Scotty? I love those guys. Okay, we're going to talk great. about the Pistons. We're going to talk about the Pistons. So, you know, be candid and tell us what you feel about them. They didn't – they didn't – come out and bring that shit up initially. Like, I'm talking about Mike and Scotty and them. They didn't bring that up initially. They're going along with what the rhetoric is yeah. of the documentary. They're covering an era. If they were whining about it, these motherfuckers would be on talking the internet. Talking about it all the goddamn time. time. No, no, I don't think up. they bring it Shut up. Shut your ass up, man. Out of nowhere. But then, like, uh, th there's a difference between when the Celtics did it and when Detroit did it. The Celtics did it because they were told to leave because the fans were about to rush the damn floor. So it's like so out of security for the players, they were telling them to leave. Like yeah. this is a completely different um, set of circumstances. Not and, that, but then even with that, Dre, even even take that up, take that take that out of it. Not that it matters. What the hell difference does it make what some other team did to you? Yeah, you can still be better. And you chose. So it's like you sound like a child. It's like, well, it was done to us. It's like no, no, no. no that's not what I say. Right. In the in the uh, in the documentary, he said, "That's just not how you passed it down." Come on, Z. that's, that's bullshit. That then, but then it, <laughs> that was that was debunked too because it, it it was like, all right, well, it was they they shook your hand the year before. Yeah, the bullshit you shook your hands the year before. No, two years in a row. Two years that, in a row. They shook yeah, their hands. it was three years in a row. They beat the Bulls three years in a row in the Eastern Conference Finals. No fucking god, man, dude is a clown. 
He is a clown. Him and the rest of them Detroit motherfuckers. I don't know. I don't know. But that's all they have. That's all they have. I was just about to say, Dre, that is is common with cities like that, where where all they have is these little tidbits of moments in history. Now, it's no secret. LeBron is my dude. LeBron is my dude. But I guarantee you, 20, 30 years from now, you're going to be seeing motherfuckers talking about Cleveland. They're going to be like, well, we still came back and beat the Warriors. Like in that whole season, but in the in, I mean, in the entirety big, of the thing, the Warriors beat the brakes off of them for yeah, half a know, decade. But like you said, those little towns, you have to hold on to, you know, those little pieces of of, of happiness because the most of your existence is misery. So I'm just surprised more people wasn't talking about that three P question mark T shirt Jordan was wearing. Yeah, some people were so stupid and it was like, wait, did they film this out yeah, of? I mean, the yeah, I mean, I mean, I. I I saw so many of those. It was like, all right, you got to be the dumbest person <laughs> on the this was, planet. This was Michael Jordan at his most petty. <laughs> it was like, no, they 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 thought that Mike was was you know we already already think the man is a god, but he's like he's like Nostradamus now. When he out there, I haven't even won one yet, but I know I'm gonna win three. It was like, no, you goofy. He was saying three P question mark to them, like, oh my god, what are we? And these were like, and not Dre, this wasn't from like, you know, just regular Twitter people. These are from like like writers. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Like, y'all are fucking stupid. (laughs) It's like, what are you doing? Like, this was like, that might have been the first, um, like, that might have been the first petty, petty strike in the petty NBA wars. That might have been the first one. Can you imagine something like that happening now? And I was, I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm like, I didn't. Recall seeing that then. I guess because we just didn't have that kind of access to see them yeah. get off the plane, and you don't get those pictures like when guys come back from the the city that they had just won in, you know, right away and all that. I, no, I didn't recall seeing those t-shirts, but I mean, I was like, man, I that's think that was a one of one. That was a one of one. I'm I'm fairly certain <laughs> that, that one was a one of one. <laughs> and Mike yeah, probably still has it. on the plane. Yeah, I need y'all to I need y'all to make something up for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> right damn now. He probably had that shit out the game three. He knew they were sweeping they bomb ass. Um, we, we, we getting them up out of here, so let me get this. I think like that was a you know, Vince Goodwill bullshit aside. Like that was just such a like I, I was talking about it when it was going on. I still remember crying in like ni- in 89 and 90, like after they lost. I still remember that. And I still remember going fucking wild when they beat him in 91. Like like when Mike said this was in some respects almost better than winning the championship, it was. Mm-hmm. It it absolutely was. It 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 absolutely was. Absolutely was. And I talked to a lot of I don't want to call them old heads, but I talked to a lot of folks that are much older than me. And I asked them about like what was that feeling? Because I was still like just a like a small child. But I was just celebrating my ass off. But I remember specifically like I mean, like, especially my older brother, Seneca, that nigga was going berserk. And I remember thinking about, like, how he was when they won the finals compared to how he was when they beat the Pistons. And it, it didn't compare. Didn't compare at all. No, it, not the like, same. it was almost expected. It was no, just like how the, Mike said. The finals is almost, like, anticlimactic because you yeah. knew they were, like, okay, the coronation has already happened. There's no way in hell we are about to lose to the Lakers. And I don't care if we lost the first game or not. No way. And then just talking about those first – that first championship with those first few, just me and my wife was talking about this shit afterwards. Like, you recall how crazy the city got. 
Man, like it was city right. guys. <laughs> I mean, they were flipping over cars, dog. They were burning I mean, cars, uh, rioting corner we, stores. At one point, we were told, like, we couldn't go outside. Like, we were like, y'all can't go outside because it's like, it's nuts out they there. Shoot we had to celebrate in the house, basically. Yeah. You see, the best thing about all of this, with the last dance coming on TV is, that a lot of you guys have already seen all this kind of, as far as not the video content, but as far as the history behind the team, a lot of people haven't. So this is a lot of people's first time seeing a lot of this stuff. That makes it even more special because someone that's my age, 23 years old, you didn't see Jordan. Yeah. You I had D. Rose. A lot of people don't understand. I, I don't know who it was. Um, it, was some, it, it, may, it was some sports writer, like just how great he really was. Like I think I think it's being it's understated at this point how great he actually was at that guy at this goddamn at this game. It really makes no sense. Like it does. I, I think in '91 in the in the, um in the first game he had missed the game winner game winner or some shit like that, and it was like wait what? Mike he missed. Like that doesn't happen. Like Mike doesn't miss it. He doesn't miss a game. Like that's how good he was. Like. Every other basketball player, they miss a game when it's shot. And it's like, eh, well, you know. But with Mike back then, it was like you just assumed. He's always going to pull whatever, you know, trick has to be pulled out. He's going to do it. Whatever shot has to be hit, he's going to hit it. Whatever defensive, he's going to do it. Like, there's not another basketball player I've ever seen. And I've, you know, I've been privy to a lot of basketball. And there's not another basketball player I've ever seen like that. I'm not talking about like physically dominating. I'm just talking about flat out killer instinct, skill, talent, phys- and physicality. Like someone, it was a sports writer. Was like, if you drop like 90, 1991 Michael Jordan, fuck it, 88, 89 Michael Jordan in the NBA right now, he would arguably be the most skilled, athletic, and competitive basketball player in the NBA. He would be the best basketball. You could drop him in any era of basketball, potentially for the next like 20 or 30 years at his peak. He would potentially, he would be the best basketball player. That's without a doubt. For the foreseeable so the 1986-87 season, that was the season where he averaged most of his career. I think it was like 37 points a game. He averaged 37 points a game for that season on 18% from three. He only took 18%. like like fifty some three pointers a year. Like the 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 way like the volume of scoring that he was doing at, at, during that time is just unbelievable. And if you'll never to, see it again. Yeah, you'll never be able to see it. You'll the closest see. you've seen it is Kobe. God rest his soul. Yeah, and Kobe shot forty five percent from the field. Mike was shooting over fifty. So you know, he was he, he was something else. And, but, you know, we talk a lot about Mike, but, you know, it's not just about him, which is why, like, when we first started the podcast, um, I said I was really glad that everybody, like those three guys, because they were, you know, they were the three-headed monster before there was a so-called thing. Speaking of which, I know, I don't know if you saw it, and I, I retweeted that uh, that comment somebody posted, say, hey, man, why y'all acting like um, Craig Hodges wasn't a part of that first, yeah. that first group? Because they wanted to forget, they wanted everybody to forget that he was shit. Sure. I, I well, wanted to forget. You know. What did he do? Hodge. Dre had a Dre had a whole interview on it. Yeah, I interviewed Hodge years and ago. Years ago, it was like when I first started, I interviewed him and you know talked about it. And you know he's blackballed. You know he wore the dashiki at the White House and gave uh, Reagan. Was it written of Reagan? Um, it was uh, the first Bush. Yeah, I said I said Reagan. I'm dating myself. Gave Bush, um, that, that letter. 
a letter about uh, helping minorities and black people and all of this shit. And that was it. That was the end of his career. It was yeah. over. <laughs> Don't let his black ass back in now. Yeah, he had a torch. He still does. Yeah, he posted a video on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He hit the joint on Facebook. He still yeah. does. All these years, he still, he said, he was like, I'll shoot any motherfucker in the NBA right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's Chicago, boy. That's that Chicago one. You can't take nothing from him. We're going to go ahead and get up out of here, man. This is, uh, this is good. I, I'm really, yeah, I'm glad, you know, that they dropped this when they did, man. We needed to. I don't, it's not even about the content. It's just about you know sharing the memories of yep. experiencing that time back then with people. You know, um, like you get to watch it from afar, but you don't get to feel it. You know, like they couldn't feel it. Now you get to feel it a little bit. You know, that was the biggest. Like I, it always amazes me that the two biggest, probably the two most famous people in the history of the world. Is a black basketball player and a black singer. And both they got their names was Michael. I love it. Hey, this has been the According to Sources podcast. You guys know where to find us. It's been um, According to Sources at gmail.com, um, A2 Sources on Twitter, According to Sources on Facebook. Um, we are very, very active on Twitter for the most part. So if you guys want to get in contact with, the, contact with us for anything, you want us. If you're on a podcast, which you want to be on our podcast, is you know, hit us up on Facebook is A2 uh it's according to sources and on Twitter is A2 Sources. Um so for Rob, Chris, Dev, and Olivier, this is according to sources. Mm-hmm. We out. Peace. Akeem, Akeem, you suck. Charles Barkers, Carl Donuts, bro. He's switching it up, man. <laughs>